Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome to Martha Norwalk's Animal World for Sunday, the 29th of December. Last December day of the decade. Wow, that's Sunday anyway, of the decade. By the way, uh, you're probably wondering where the heck is Martha, if you haven't been listening in the last couple of weeks. Martha is uh, taking the day off, and my name is Kevin McDonald. And by the way, this is Positive Talk Sunday with Kevin and Kathy. Kathy is sitting right over there. And what we're going to do today is we're going to, we are going to work to educate and to entertain and uplift the human animal. We've got some great guests on the line, and we're going to be talking for the next three hours with you and them. And of course, my co-host, Kathy, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Good. It's good. all good. Yeah, I'm it, excited. We've got the best guests here. It's going to be a great show. I know it is. It'll be very uplifting and educational. It, it will be. So, it will be yeah. very, very nice. I'm looking forward to it. So, what did you? What do you think of this fourth Sunday of the month deal that we're going to be doing? I'm excited. Well, I think this is going to be a great experience. I'm going to be learning from someone who's fantastic and has a great personality. And I think that is our that listeners, uh, yeah, him too. <laughs> and I think, you know, we're just going to have fun. That's the idea. That's the idea. What we're going to do is, uh, see, this is, for those of you who don't know, let me go back into the mists of time. Oh, no. Yes. We're going to go back 16 years. That's when I first came to KKNW as Positive Talk Radio. And I was here uh, for two hours a day, five days a week for almost a year. So, by the way, if you if you remember those days and want to validate the fact that that was a really good show and you should listen, you can give us a call at 425-373-5527 and talk to us a little bit about what we used to do and what we're going to be doing now. So we're going to be doing uh, this, like I said, the fourth Sunday of the month. And we'll be having a, we're going to have authors. Uh, I've got somebody who's going to tell us next month, we're going to tell us about uh, how to be uh, a good psychic, how to tell a good psychic from a, a bad psychic and, and stuff like that. So uh, today, on today's show, we've got three authors of three really interesting books. One And one is a blind blogger is his uh, catchphrase. We're going to talk to uh, uh, Andrew here in just a moment, um, and he's written a book called Such Unfortunates, and uh, we're going to talk to him for the entire hour. It's going, to, it's going to be very interesting. He's got a mission that he's on, and that's one of the things that we want to bring to the show are people that are passionate, people that have a mission, people that can uplift and to help us live our lives just a little bit more authentically, a little bit better. What do you think about that? Is that a good, a good way to be, Kathy? I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yes. So We can always learn from those who've been down another path that we haven't experienced and that we can learn from. That's very true. Yeah. And I just want to mention that uh, um, Andrew was uh, a guest on my podcast, which is My Independence Report, and uh, he did a, a really nice job. And we, we kind of, you know, I, this is only the second time that I will be talking to him, but we've kind of developed a little bit of a connection because I helped him get the idea to develop a website. He's got a GoFundMe page now. He's got some work that he's going to do that's really exciting. So I suppose rather than talk about him, since he's on the line, we should probably talk to him. What do you say? Uh, I think that's that's. The better way to go. Yep. <laughs> do you Let's have any, do it. Do you have any thoughts before, just before we begin, Kathy? Just anything anything at all? Let's just see how this goes. Okay, Andrew. Yeah, let's educate our listeners. Hello. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Good. Can you hear me all right, Kevin? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'll check with our, our board operator, who's Michael today, and, and uh, I say, some, say something else. <laughs> uh, can you hear me okay now? Yeah, you're good. You're, you're good. Great, great. So, um, um, Andrew, let's let's talk a little bit. First of all, I owe you an apology. Why is that? Well, when we were on the podcast, and I made the I made the reference 
that uh, last year in 2018, we don't have the numbers for 2019 yet, but in 2018, 70,000 people died from this. That what we're going to talk about today. And I was wrong. Okay. It's 72,000 people died. 72,000. Wow. Oh. Yeah. So I didn't want to leave those 2,000 people out. So um, well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Kevin. Definitely. Because so it's it's actually worse, and it's getting it's getting worse. What are we talking about, ladies and gentlemen? Well, I'm going to have uh, uh, Andrew talk a little bit about it. Andrew, tell us about yourself, a little bit about your story, and the book that you've written. Okay. Great. Um, my name is Andrew Mann. I've written a book called Such Unfortunates, um, and it is the true story of my life um, and how I overcame uh, an awful addiction to opiates. Um, I had grown up in what was would be considered a, a typical American family on the outside. Everything looked great, but behind closed doors, it was a nightmare. Um, there was a lot of abuse. I had a, um, an awful abusive childhood, which led me to develop anxiety and depression. Um, through When I was very young, at age 12, I was put on an adult dose of Xanax, um, which, you know, was at the time I was having such bad panic attacks. It seemed like the best, the right thing to do. Um, but, you know, at 12 years old, I was just given the drug. I was never looked at why I was having those panic attacks, what was behind that. And so that sort of continued throughout high school. Um, and I wasn't because of the abuse I was suffering. I wasn't able to develop healthy boundaries. When I was very young, I dealt with horrible bullying, um, not in high school, but before that. And, and that also affected everything. Um, so eventually uh, I developed into uh, this drug addiction, which followed me through later in high school and um, then into my 20s. And it went from stuff such as marijuana and alcohol <gasps> all the way up to opiate painkillers. You did marijuana? Heroin. You did marijuana? That? I'm sorry. That's what I had started with marijuana and alcohol when I was about 12 years old. So, um, Andrew, let me stop you right there just real quick, because, you know, in Washington State, now marijuana is legal. How do you feel about that? Yeah, alcohol is, too. Well, that um, always has been, yeah. What that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, there's a difference between focusing on the drug and what is causing someone to have an addiction. A person can have an addiction to anything. Um, if someone is not a drug addict, and they want to use marijuana on the weekend. I really don't have a problem with that. It, if it's not affecting their life. And a lot of people I know have for medical uses. I don't have a problem with that stuff. I really, if that's up to them. But what, what comes in when someone has an addiction problem, that is more of the problem inside the person. And I really feel the way to heal people is to focus not so much on the drugs, but what is broken behind the drugs that made the person seek those drugs out in the first place. And so that is really, when it comes to that, I mean, I know some people look at it as a gateway and problems, but I really feel that my gateway to becoming an addict was the abuse I had suffered in childhood. And so when I kept going, um, Kevin, I eventually I, I started on prescription opiates and I ended up on heroin which took me to, uh, on an awful ride. It really did. Um, and I ended up being homeless on the streets of Camden, New Jersey, without a, a hope in the world. Everyone had given up on me. Um, and in the book, I go how some angels came into my life and I was able to turn my whole life around. And one great thing about this show is, um, like you said, I'm looking to start a foundation to help people recover and I've seen um, how important animals can be in that recovery process, and that, that I want to use them to be part of that. So that's my story in basically a nutshell. I'm sure you'll have a lot of questions and oh, the way it went along, but that's basically it in a nutshell. Oh, absolutely. Uh, anything for you, Kathy, that you'd like to mention? Um, my question to you would be, uh, how did the opioids begin? Were you... 
uh, prescribed them by physicians? And I was. I was. Was there an I illness was, um, or a um, other than the first time I was ever prescribed um, Percocet was for uh, tooth pain. Um, I had had some wisdom teeth out. Um, and that was my first experience with Percocet was through a legitimate prescription. Um, but then it became so readily available because so many people, the, the pharmaceutical companies had started, um, pushing opiates more. Um, it was in the late nineties and especially Oxycontin. Um, so they started popping up everywhere and people started selling. Um, and then so, People were, oh, try an oxy, try an oxy. And for someone like me um, that dealt with such anxiety and depression all through childhood, the opiate was like that magic key that sort of unlocked it and made me feel okay in my own skin. And I really, when I took the opiate um, and I was taking a prescription opiate, I really didn't feel I was doing anything wrong. You know, I'm taking something from a doctor but the way it made me feel um, made me want to do it again and then again. So, yes, I did start out right from a legitimate prescription from a doctor. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, but, but they're saying now that it doesn't take long for you to become addicted to opiates. It can be in a very short period of time. Has that been your experience? Yes. Um, there are two types of addiction, Kevin. There is a physical addiction where your body becomes addicted and a mental addiction where you actually are in your mind thinking about it. If anyone takes opiates for e- even a short period of time, like two weeks, and then abruptly stops, the physical part of that is going to cause their body to go into some form of withdrawal. And their body will be is going to become physically addicted to the opiate, but the mental part. So that can happen, and there are people that may not be prone to addiction, didn't have an abusive childhood, and they just by being prescribed this drug will to avoid the withdrawal will keep using. The withdrawal from opiates is that awful that they will keep using, and it gets worse the more you use and the longer you're on. Oh, that's a- but then there's a second piece, which is the mental addiction, which comes in where, and I write about this in my book, um, like I said, it was literally, when, when you're abused as a child, I really feel there is, um, you have things in your body, endorphins, serotonin, dopamine, all these chemicals that are supposed to work, and when you you're raised in a loving family and you're taught the right things, your brain grows normally and all those chemicals function normally. And you have a right amount of endorphins that get you out of bed in the morning. You'll wake up, you'll be motivated for the day. But for someone like me, it wasn't like that. I woke up and it was, God, I have to go to school. And God, why? you know, it wasn't a, a happy thing for me. Just studying was was just, everything seemed boring in my life. But when I took that opiate, it sort of, it didn't make me so high. I was knocked out. It just kind of made me feel normal. I felt motivated. Um, I had gone from uh, a C minus D student and I had gone back and taken classes after on opiates and I got straight A. And so there was something missing in my brain that those opiates satisfied and made me want to stay on that. That's interesting. So you actually became a better student the more you were addicted to uh, the uh, um, um, the oxy oxycotton or the Percocet. On them, yes, yes. It was like it it fulfilled that I could focus better. Um, and like I said, when I first started taking it, I didn't think anything was wrong. You know, I, I felt normal. I felt better. It was, and that is um, that how that's kind of how I got caught up in. We. <laughs> I, I, I have to tell you, because my experience with opiates was completely different uh, because uh, I had my uh, um, uh, hip replaced uh, about 10 years ago, and they gave me Oxycontin and Oxycodone. Uh, are you familiar sure. with those two things? One's a short actor, one's a long-acting one? Correct. Correct. I, the same thing. Well, 
Yeah, I, I, I totally lost my mind. I, I could not function. I could not think. I was trying to put out the where the pills would be and when I would take them and all. I couldn't figure it out to save my life uh, because I, could, I just it just fell. I just fell apart. So I, it's weird that it would make you feel normal. It made me feel like I'd lost my mind. Right, right, and and that's that's how some people I I know um, have taken it, and they're just oh my god, they throw up. They're like, I don't want to take this again. That you know, and. Um, and I wish that was my first experience, Kevin. Yeah. Well, and we're all we're all so different. I recently also had an experience with oxycodone, and because I had extreme stomach pains, and I was given what was it, seventeen pills to take home, and I think the first day and a half, I took nearly all of them because they were not working. And mind you, wow. I. I, I don't I don't I don't take any form of pill except for a vitamin. You, you, you don't <laughs> so look I like thought, a big druggie over there. No, <laughs> I'm not. And so I'm just. This is really interesting to me how we're all so different. Oh, we are. Oh yeah, we're all so different. Yep. It's it's. You know, a- I've had um, so many people have written to me to ask me questions, and they say the same thing. They say when I first took it, I had this experience with it, or when I took oxycotton, I had this experience, and. I've heard uh, many different experiences um, the first time someone ever took oxycodone or hydrocodone or another opiate. So, yes, it's very true. Um, we are all very different. Well, and we, when we come back, Andrew, we're going to take a break here in a second. But when we come back, I want to talk to you about your experiences in rehab, and there were many. So, Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk about that. We'll be back in just a few moments. And welcome back to Martha Norwalk's Animal World, kind of, sort of, because this is Positive Talk Radio in addition. My name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm sitting over there as Kathy. We are uh, together at the hip these days. Kathy, how are you? This is true. I'm doing good. I'm uh, That's that's great. I, I, I'm really excited to have you here because it's, it's a lot of fun for me to have somebody to bounce ideas back and forth. And, and you, you've been doing this. You've been with Martha for like eight years. Almost. Almost eight One years. One more month. One more month. Yes. And I just want to make sure that everybody, you know, Martha says, and she is absolutely right, that uh, you need to take the time to uh, support our advertisers. Because without our advertisers, there ain't no us. And that's the fact. So um, I support uh, the advertisers that are there and by the way if you would like to advertise with martha you can do that and it's very inexpensive so uh you can give her a call and go to her website and you can figure all that out um but it would be it would be great fun for you to do that kathy you know i just would like to say um you know congratulations to uh andrew on on his book must have been a very difficult process very timely and you know, just filled fills your days, and congratulations! I'm I'm very Thank happy you very for much. you. Um, you know, it just uh, just like to hear more about. Well, actually, first let me say that the cover of your book is very intriguing, and when I first saw it, it just it just grabbed me and pulled me in. And uh, oh wow! I think I that's just amazing. Whoever <laughs> took a part of that. Uh, that challenge did a, an amazing job, did a great job. Oh, thank you. Anyways. Thank you. That's, that's very nice of you to say that. Uh, I, I, I really felt that depicted um, what was happening in my life. I was drowning and reaching for a hand up for help. And, um, you know, it came from unusual and amazing places. I don't want to give too much away, but it really... Um, it did. I heard from some people that wrote to me and said, you know, a, a man wrote to me and said, I normally don't cry. But when I read that part of your book about the angels that came into your life, I, I started crying while reading it. Um, I had a police officer write to me um, and say sort of the same thing that you did. And, um, you know, he said this book should be in every police academy syllabus, every correction officer training guide studied by medical, nursing, counseling students. They said it was um, so important. And um, that's, that's really what my goal was when I went to 
I had written a few paragraphs while in a rehab and um, submitted it. And people said, you really need to write a book about your life story. I had a few counselors recommend that. And, um, you know, and so I thought about it and I started to write. And so many people actually told me I couldn't do it, um, that it really motivated me to do it. They were, I heard everyone starts out to write a book and no one actually completes it. One out of a thousand completes it. You know, you're never going to complete it. And I, that motivated me to do it. And especially, um, I've had a lot of close friends die and their parents contacted me and said, why were you able to do it? And they weren't able to get clean. And um, once I started talking to them, they were like, you need to get this information to more parents and more families so they know what to do, what not to do. And um, that kind of motivated me. And I think, uh, you know, I think I drove my fiance nuts up all night writing, <laughs> but I refused to give up until I wrote the whole book and got it out there. And so the name was- of that here publication is called uh, Such Unfortunate. Now, Correct. where did the title come from? <laughs> the title came from, I used to go to AA and NA meetings a lot. And in the beginning of those meetings, they always read something. It was about such unfortunate. And they were these people that were too unfortunate. They considered them unable to get clean. They were basically lost causes that um, were hopeless. And they called these people such unfortunate and for some reason i always related with that more than anything else i heard and it would make me whenever they read it i would think about myself and i considered myself one of those people that would never make this and that is another part about my book when i go in to speak at rehabs you know a lot of times speakers will come in and the people say yeah yeah you're telling me to do this but you didn't do it yourself or you haven't been where I've been with me. There's rarely a person that can say they were in a worse situation than me. I've been to jail. I've the the three ends to addiction. They always say are jails, rehabilitation centers, and death. I've experienced all three. I've been to jail. I've been to multiple rehabs and I died twice and had to be brought back to life. So there really isn't something that someone can't relate to me. And when people hear my message, uh, you know, a lot of people say, you don't look like an addict. And then, but then once they hear my message, they all get the attention. And I've got the whole room will come up to me after I speak. And so that's really what I wanted to do by this book. I wanted to get this information out there and I wanted to save as many lives as possible by doing it because what we are doing now is not working. Um, it's just, as obvious as it's obvious, there's more people that die every year from drug addiction than died in Vietnam, Iraq, and Afghanistan combined the whole wars. Oh, so I know. We have a, a serious problem that we need fixing. Well, and and I'm I'm here to tell you I'm I am so happy for you because you know it it was amazing that that you were on the streets and you were taking drugs and you were. Yeah, and things were not going well, and then suddenly one day everything just turned around for you, and it became a wonderful experience, and you had a great time, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think so. No, and, and, and it's not like it's not like an angel came down and tapped you on the head with her wand and said, "You're healed, baby." It took no, you a while, didn't it? Uh, uh, yeah. A long while, um, and I went through a lot of struggles, uh, repeated struggles, um, you know, a lot of pain, um, but I made it through. And one of the other important messages, um, I had a girl write me on my GoFundMe page, and she said, your book actually stopped me from committing suicide. She said, because I see what you've been through. And that was, you know, that made me feel so good. Because she was like, I've seen what you've been through, and you just kept fighting, and eventually you got through it. And if you can get through that, I can get through this. And so that was my message. I want someone, you know, a lot. there's a lot of people out there who have lost hope in themselves, 
or their families have lost hope in them. And if they read my book, they should see you should never give up hope on your loved one or yourself. And there is always a chance that someone can recover and become um, a great person. You know, a, one of another message in my book is uh, a lot of these addicts underneath the addiction were really great, giving, loving people that, you know, this addiction monster sort of turned them into this person who would steal, lie, and cheat and do all these horrible things. But once that addiction's gone, they're some of the most caring, loving, loyal friends in the world. Um, and I had a really good friend, like I was telling you, Kevin, when we spoke. And Kevin, thank you very much. You've been uh, amazing. Um, you've inspired me to do a few things. And the website is one. And, um, you know, I just wanted to make sure I thanked you enough, Kevin. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, like you said, we've only talked two times, but I feel a connection to you already. So well, I and, really uh, appreciate that. Andrew, I thank you for that. But you wrote the book. You had the experiences. <laughs> All I did is sit there and, and because as your story is unfolding, I'm watching the look on Kathy's face over here. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. Really? Oh my gosh. Because your story is such that it, it draws people to you, um, out of, out of, out of sympathy, number one, maybe, or compassion, but it's because of, of the work that you put in and the, and the, and the message that you're sending out there that, that is so, so dynamic. And, you know, I don't know. I, we're in Seattle today. And this afternoon at 5.20, my dear Seattle Seahawks are going to be playing uh, the last game of the season, and it's a very important game. That stadium seats 65,000 people. More people a year die from opiate uh, addiction and from drug addiction than could fit into, this, into that stadium. It's, I, I can't even get my head around the number. Oh, it's it's so high, and and there's so many people that, and and by the way, you said earlier that people said you didn't look like an addict. I'm here to tell you, I don't know what an addict looks like because I've exactly. seen I've seen all kinds of folks, business people, um, um, doctors, lawyers, especially doctors. They got easy access. Um, doctors, yeah. lawyers, yeah. and all of that stuff that that are addicted to these things, and it's it's just a a, a really bad path. But I wanted to focus with you on the the uh, um, treatment centers that you went to. They didn't help you. I'm curious as to know why not. Correct. They didn't help me. Um, and at present, uh, they have a three percent success rate. Did you say uh, three of treatment centers? Three, as in like three, three. fingers, three, three fingers, um, and that I think is generous. Um. If one person out of a group of, you know, 40 of us that were there stayed clean, um, I, I didn't hear about it. So, uh, you know, I'm the only one that I know, and there were probably 100 people in the treatment center I was in. Um, now, some have gotten a little bit better, but what they are focusing on is the wrong thing, okay? You need to focus on the, they focus on the drug, and that's all they focus on, and, and clean up your room and blah, blah, blah. And but what they don't focus on is why this person was using the drugs in the first place. There is something inside of that person. There is some hole. There is something missing that needs to be fixed. There is a trauma. When I went through addiction, the one thing in common, I mean, if not 99% of people in there had suffered some form of traumatic abuse, most of it sexual abuse when they were a child and that led us them to have a wound inside of them that would not heal. And so they searched for healing. People would look at it. Oh, they went and got high, but people were medicating a hurt inside of them that was never healed and was never properly dealt with. And until you deal with that, you can take the drugs away. But when that person leaves the rehab, that pain is still there inside of them, and that is gonna that is what's gonna send them out to uh, relapse again, and why they won't go back to it until you heal that part in front of, front of them. You're just wasting the money. You're just giving them it's like a tune up, 
to send them back out. You're not healing the person. And it's just a waste. It is. I've seen it over and over again. They're throwing $30,000 for one month. And the person gets out in the exact same situation. They just, they remove the drugs for 30 days. But that's not the person's problem. Kathy had a question. Hold hold on, Andrew. Go ahead. So I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted to say that there were probably many different resources for you to take advantage of to get through this very difficult time of your life. Could you speak a little more or speak on the topic of your angels and how the angels in your life supported you, gave you hope, helped you with motivation? Um, could you talk a little more about that? Sure, sure, absolutely. I had, um, well, I, they first started coming into my life, but that's what I, people I consider angels. While I was on the street in um, Camden, New Jersey, um, at first uh, a man named John, who was a teacher, um, for no other reason except he was trying to help stop and, and started talking to me. And he would ask me about my life, what I was doing out there, and how he could assist me in getting off the streets and getting clean. And, um, you know, he started coming to visit me, he started bringing food. He eventually even took me to a methadone clinic and paid for it. And he introduced me to Kelly Ripa. I don't know if you know the talk show host. Right, right. Her father, Joe Ripa, who also helped me. Wow. Um, And we're still friends to this day. And um, we communicate on Facebook every other day. And he has been... um, he helped, he's a politician around here, so he actually helped me get funding to get into treatment, which was very hard around here. Um, and they, uh, it was a miracle that they came into my life. Um, there was another woman who used to drive by, you know, and this was a, a woman that maybe 70 years old, and she had a big cross that she carried around her neck. And she would drive by and, and bring me money every day. And one day, this woman knew nothing about me. She came by and said, Andrew, I um, had a father that was abusive towards me, and you need to forgive whoever's hurt you. And in, until you do that, you're not going to be able to move on. She was like, I love you. God loves you, and you can get help. And this woman knew nothing about me. You know, a man on the street in Camden, New Jersey, she was not afraid to stop to talk to me. And uh, through Joe and John, I was able to get off the street. And then a one last woman that came into my life, her name was Karen. And um, she was absolutely, uh, you know, I still is the biggest angel in my life. Uh, she refused to give up on me. Um, she helped me get into treatment. While in treatment, she wrote me every day a letter. I literally got one, so I would receive it every day. She got me um, uh, two bracelets, which I still wear today, saying that I could do it, that I could turn my life around. Um, She came to visit me. She brought me all this stuff. And she was able to show me love. Um, You know, I grew up in a household where I was never told I love you by either parent my whole life. So when you're not told that, you don't really believe that. Um, And so once I felt that from her, And I was like, if this person won't give up on me, maybe I won't give up on myself. And so I started focusing um, one way, and then I ended up sharing the hurt was inside of me that I swore I would never share with anyone my whole life. I said I would never get that out. And once I shared that, I was able to work on healing that. And so those were the four angels that really came into my life and... um, sort of diverted my path from, I was headed towards certain death. Um, and if not for them, I would not be where I am today. You know, you uh, talk a little bit about, or actually quite a bit about uh, family and how they were your uh, speed bump in life, so to speak. And Correct. a lot of the people that you've talked about in the past that have come to you saying that they've experienced the same scenarios. And, um, you know, I, my experience with that have been, uh, friends and other associates who actually have had children, um, who have gone through the same path and even committed suicide. But 
I, I guess I want to put it out that there's a lot of loving parents that um, were tremendous parents and examples to their children. Um, can you speak on that? Have you ever come across sure, people sure, no, who have had uh, that experience? It's not just uh, the parents' fault by any means. Or that other family in, members. In, oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Some of the parents, um, one of my uh, a close friend of mine that died had that through this disease had unbelievably loving parents, um, and I'm still in contact with them now. They, they did everything possible, um, but they were not sure what, you know, this was so new to them. They had not dealt with addiction themselves, so when this happened, they didn't know what to do. Um, and they, but they were completely loving parents and in no way is it, you know, the fault of the parents nor, you know, that's not what I'm saying at all. Yeah. In my case, it was, um, you know, uh, very difficult with my parents, but I know people who have had a loving parents and have still gone down this route. That is, um, the common denominator really was trauma. Uh, you know, there was a girl that had suffered a rape um, and ended up becoming an, an addict or, you know, there's a bunch of different situations um, that have delved into that. But a lot of I try to give families advice. I had um, a few mothers that have contacted me and wanted me to reach out to their children and see if I could help their children to get into treatment. And, um, you know, and they've asked me for advice and I try to give the best advice I can. The advice I always give parents, you can't throw money at this problem. That is not going to work. But you also can't cut your family member off to the point. If your family member is willing to get help, I believe you should stand by them um, and be there and give them loving support. Do not just throw money at a person. One more more quick thought, and that is um, this is also a family disease. And addiction. Um, I guess one thing, too, is forgiveness plays a big part in this. And to remember that, that those who have committed some acts of unkindness in their family and may have contributed towards the addiction of a family member in some way, um, to remember, uh, it's a very common saying now, but hurt people hurt people. And so... Um, I think that might help some people to remember that and have more compassion uh, with that sort of experience. Anyways. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're just go, girl. You go, girl. That's just great. <laughs> uh, we're talking with yep. Andrew Mann. By the way, go get his book. It's called Such Unfortunates. If you know, and here's my plea, if you know somebody who is suffering from addiction, if you know somebody who, whose parents might be your friends, who their kids are out of control, and so get this book. This book will give you a roadmap on how you can lead them from where they are today to getting better. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk with Andrew about what he has done and what he's doing now and where he's going. It's really quite a remarkable story. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the fourth Sunday of the month on Martha Norwalk's Animal World, which means it's Positive Talk Radio with (laughs) my friend. She's laughing at me over there. Hi, Kathy. How are you? Oh, you're so entertaining. (laughs) Oh, I don't know about that. You're fun. uh, You're fun. But in, in any event, by the way, Martha is an extraordinary animal behavioral therapist. And please give her a call if you have any problems with your dogs, cats, or other furry friends that she can help you get through that. And you can go to MarthaNorwalk.com and get all the information that you need to talk to her directly. So, And, and also, by the way, you can stream the show live from her uh, uh, website as well. Just go to MarthaNorwalk.com and the Listen Live button and away you go. Or audio archives as well. And that's, yes. And also these shows will be on My Independence Report. So you can go to myindependencereport.podbean.com or myindependencereport.com and you can uh, listen to these shows. Because Andrew, I have to tell you, 
He is very entertaining, but more importantly, he's got a tremendous message that he needs, that I am determined to help him get out that message so that people don't die. People have a chance to live. Andrew, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, definitely. You're absolutely right. And um, you've actually been a part in it already, Kevin. You really have. Um, and especially helping me to get this out. Well, and, and, um, anything, that I can, anything that I can do, and Kathy, I'm going to enlist her support, anything that we can do to help you get the message out. And, but you, So you need to tell us, we've got just a few minutes left, you need to sure. tell us what your plan is, where are you going, how, how is the pet rescue and, and, the, and the rehab and everything going to work out the way you want it, and how is it going to be different? How are you going to make that different? That, that is, um, I'll be happy to tell you. I want, I want after talking to people, um, after writing the book in a short time, I've been blown away by how many people have read it and have written to me and how many people out there need help. Um, and I've always wanted to start my own rehab, but I wanted to do something different. Um, and so I started talking to a director of a rehab right now. She's a, friend of mine and she believes in my vision and she's agreed to even volunteer to help me get it started. I want to start a rehab that uses animal therapy among other therapies, but uses animal therapy and doubles as an animal shelter. And I'll tell you why. Um, I've seen the amazing ability animals have on healing people that suffer from addiction or just brokenness inside if you ever go to say uh, an animal shelter or if you go to uh, a pet store or something and you walk in people are always happy they're always smiling and also um you know and, and that happiness smiling can do so good because a lot of addicts once they come into treatment are broken people and i saw we actually had a guy that brought a dog into it and it changed the whole mood of everyone in the place. And for the rest of the day, just being around that one dog had people so much more. They were in, it just brought a happiness that I can't, um, I, it's, it's hard to describe, but you could just feel it in the air. Um, and also I've seen, I've rescued um, animals. I have two dogs and three cats now. And um, one of the dogs we had that was abused um, that we rescued, you know, she was, when you touch her, she would shake and all that stuff. And through being through love and us giving her love, she's completely transformed. Both of them have. Um, and I know that if I was able to, I, I love animals to death. They're, they're my favorite thing. I've always wanted to be, have a rescue, but I know that if the rescue doubled as a treatment center, we could help addicts. And what I want to do is use other things that I've seen that actually work to give people enough time to get clean, to work on the inside problem, what's going on with them. Um, so I want to start a treatment center in one state to start off, but I want to have it in all 50 states. I want it to accept anyone who needs it, needs treatment, regardless of their ability to pay. Um, we spend so much money on stuff that, I mean, the money we spend on wars and building weapons is astronomical. For a small fraction of that, we could save so many lives. Um, and I believe, this, so my, my mission is to start um, a rehab that doubles as an animal shelter in one state. Um, I actually want to start it in Pennsylvania, even though I live in New Jersey. Pennsylvania is the first um, state I want to start it in. Uh, and what I want to do is buy land. It's sort of in the country, country-ish area. And that's where I want to start the treatment center that will double as a rehab. And we will accept all animals that um, we can take. I, there's a, a person on Twitter that actually posts animals that are going to be put down. Uh, and I will never have the shelter. My shelter will never be a kill shelter. Um, and I want the addicts to actually work at the shelter. And that will help them, give them a sense of worth inside, let them feel they're doing something good, and they can prepare these animals to either be adopted or if they have to stay with us for life, 
It's not going to be where they're going to live in a cage. I want this to be like they are at a home. And um, I think I know it can work. I know what when to tell if an addict is, you know, if they're healed, um, you know, if they've actually focused on the things inside of them that need to be focused on. And I know there's a ton of people already that have written to me. I'd volunteer there. I'd come help you. I'd do that. It's a great idea. So that is my uh, idea. And Kevin, you inspired me to start a GoFundMe page. So just the other day, I started a GoFundMe page. Um, it's under such unfortunate foundation. I mean, even if you donate $5 toward it, you know, a little goes a long way. Um, and I've actually had a few people already. You're on donated the, toward it. You're on the, you're on the path. You know, I was thinking, yeah. uh, wouldn't it be fun? See, out here, I don't know if you've been to the Seattle area, but, uh, currently we have, have not. we have got a major homeless crisis. We've got a major opiate addiction crisis in the, in the city. What I'd love to yeah. see you do is to open up a rehab with an animal shelter, with a restaurant, with a small hotel, and it's all run and worked by addicts that are working on bettering themselves and that people can yeah. come and eat for free. Well, you know, That's too. That's a great idea. Too, That's a great idea. It you really know, is. Take some really great ideas that really work out there in the community with the animals. Um, we've got had a couple of... Uh, uh, rescues uh, one organization who actually works out on the street with the homeless and provides resources to uh, to the homeless and a lot of them are have addictions a lot of them don't but I I you know a great business plan and and you know yeah, yeah. well I, I he's Thanks, he, he's working on it and he is. Is, this, he's the, walking the path the number one thing. Yes, I'm donating 50% of everything I make from the book to it. So I'm oh, going to wow. take 50% of that. I'm going to take everything I make from the GoFundMe and put it in an account. And hopefully I can buy my first place. People can see the success we have. And then I'm hoping some people like maybe Bill Gates or his wife would say, you know what? We can save a ton of lives, help a bunch of people out and help animals. Who wouldn't want to do that? So, Mr. Gates, if you happen to be driving up I-5, just doing nothing but listening to 11.50 a.m., give us a call. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll hook you up Mr. with Gates, Andrew. I'd love to hear from you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome. Um, again, yeah. we've been talking with uh, Andrew Mann. He's written the book, Such Unfortunates. Do you have uh, anything else you'd like to add, Kathy? Any Another question? Well, you know... I, I, I think you're probably getting close to wrapping it up. We got, and, we got you a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Well, some of the questions I have, um, I guess I'll, how did you avoid toxic relationships? How did you know where to draw the line and have boundaries uh, with some of those people that may have helped you in the addiction uh, story? Where, did you ever have have a point where you needed to draw the line and have boundaries with certain toxic when I, people? When I got sober um, and I put the drugs behind me, I had to avoid any friends that were using it from my past. I had to, there was just, it's not that I wanted to cut people off, um, but an, a friend relationship, I actually had a, a friend call me the other day um, that we had gone through rehab. He's at using right now. He's asking for help. And those people I will respond to. I'm trying to actually, when I get off with you guys, I'm going to get him into a hospital right now um, around us. Um, but if those people I will talk to, but I cannot have a relationship with people that are using drugs. It is not anything I recommend um, being around that. It's just, it's not that they're bad people but they will bring you down. Um, it's not going to be the reverse way. You can offer them hope and sympathy. Um, and that's what I do. And I try to, but it is not a good idea to be in a really, to have a close relationship. I would anyone, especially in new recovery. I would also imagine that uh, surrounding yourself with people who are positive and encouraging um, is a, an important uh, aspect of healing as well. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Problem is, I'm better myself, Kathy. Yeah, the problem is, you can find that. Go ahead. What's that, I'm sorry? No, I was just going to say the problem is that there's a lot of folks who don't know how to respond to, talk to somebody who's in the addictive process and how to make it positive for them. It's, it's not like you can walk, hey, I think you're doing great and just don't uh, uh, don't use anymore. It's 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 a hard concept to, to try and get somebody positively motivated to go through rehab and, and, and to do and to get better. It's it's. It's a it's a hard it's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Yes, but once somebody gets better, there are groups. There's smart recovery. There's AANA, and the people form such a good bond. And that's what I I put in. If you read my message on my GoFundMe page, I want it to be where people can come back if they're in need of help. And the people that are doing the right thing, I want them all to stay in touch because. They all seem to be so close. They'll help each other out in a heartbeat. Um, it, it's unbelievable the friendships I've seen of recovered addicts, people that are doing well. They will be there for people like no one else I've ever seen before. Um, oh, that's and awesome. it's really nice to see. And that's another thing I want to be. I mean, if I had a place in all 50 states and somebody came to me, I need help, I could put them in a place and like you said, I was thinking about having apartments there where they could live yeah. until they get themselves back. And it's a very good idea. You can have people. Uh, and also, I said I was happy to hear any suggestions people have for um, new ideas about that. Yeah. So, well, you definitely. know, Andrew, um, one last thing. I, I'm kind of hoping sure. that we can close on a positive note, but not everybody can get. Uh, super involved in, in this for whatever reasons, whether they're not well equipped. Um, but you know, just one really quick thing that I have found in my life is every time I go to a specific grocery store, there's always someone standing at the door begging for money and asking for a handout. And I most all of the time see someone else over there talking to them and engaging with in conversation with them. And from what you've said, it makes me realize that, you know, I can do that. Just go over and just say, hi, you know, how you doing? Tell me a little bit about your story. So that's it can it. be something simple. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And you'd be surprised how much you can help somebody out. You really can. A little bit goes a really long way. Um, and yeah, I just hope people will look at my book. Um, you know, I've had a lot of people that aren't even addicts who said they learned things from my book. Um, it's on Amazon. Uh, you can get Barnes and Noble or Target, but Amazon.com, such unfortunate by Andrew Mann. And, um, like and you it, said, I'd love if people would, um, check out the GoFundMe. And even if they shared it, if they didn't have any money to donate, if they shared it, if they went to GoFundMe and, and searched such unfortunate, well, um, I would really appreciate that. Andrew, uh, we and are, if you wanted to volunteer, that'd be great. Andrew, we are out of time. It's great to talk to you, sir. And we'll talk again real soon. Uh, go get the book, Such Unfortunate. Andrew Mann is the author. And we will be back. It's the top of the hour. We've got to take a break, and we'll be back real quick. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other is all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.